You're listening to episode 73 of the 200 Churches Podcast. And you know what, Carl? All of what you just said is exactly why we have you on the podcast, exactly why what you're doing at New Small Church is so important. These small church pastors, these men and women, they need to know and they need to be reminded constantly that they are doing valuable and important kingdom work. That what you're doing at your church with your 200 people, with your 100 people, with your 50 people, you're making an impact and a difference in people's lives. And, and that impact and difference just goes out and out and out and out and spreads and spreads and spreads. Thank you for listening to the 200 Churches Podcast, where we're focused on pastors of small churches, 200 churches. Every Wednesday, we release an episode that will lift your spirits, lighten your load, and let you laugh. Today, the guys are joined by Carl Vaders from NewSmallChurch.com. His name is Carl, and he is a small church pastor. And now here are two guys who lead and pastor in a 200 church, the Hannah and Barbara of Ministry Podcasts, Jeff and Johnny. This is the 200 Churches Podcast. I am Johnny, and as usual, I'm here with my guy, Jeff Katie. Jeff Katie, how you doing? Good. How you doing, Johnny? I can't complain. I'm alive. It's pouring rain right now in the great state of Iowa. It is well. The good thing is our drought is evaporating. It's true. No pun intended. <laughs> Yeah, is going to be gone. It's it's been all weekend. It's been dumping rain like this. It's nuts. I think our whole state is under a cloud right now. Well, here's what I like. I was at an elder's house for dinner on Sunday, and he said, "Boy, I tell you what," he says, "Pastor Jeff, if the rain comes, then that corn's going to grow." Did I say an elder's house? Yeah, an elder who is a farmer. And he said, if the rain comes, then the corn's going to grow. If the corn grows, I'm going to be giving money to the church. Amen. And I said, let it rain. Let it rain. (laughs) (laughs) That's the motto of Iowa churches. So speaking of that farmer, he was with us for lunch today. Yeah. We were actually recording what you are going to hear in just a few seconds, our conversation with Carl. while he was waiting for us at Mm -hmm. the restaurant wanting to feed us. That's always good when elders send you a text or shoot you a call and say, hey, how about lunch? And you know they're not mad. Yeah, that's that's always a plus. That's always a plus. You're just getting a free lunch and a good time. Did you text him back, are you mad? No, it's. We, <laughs> I knew it wasn't mad. If he was mad, he wouldn't be buying me lunch. He'd be in my office. Hey, we had an elders meeting last night. Yeah. Our first evening meeting of the year. Brutal. Right? Well, it. see, I loved it. Yeah, I loved it because I felt like we actually accomplished something. It was good. Yeah, yeah, that that was the good. guys had good give and take. Yeah, and they still loved each other when they walked out of the room. That's always a plus. <laughs> it is. It is. So anyway, we had lunch with uh, with our elder Paul. He said the church is in a good spot. He said he's happy. That's you know what we were sitting there and we were talking about you know had some visitors coming in. We were talking about some people who have maybe moved on recently, and he said, you know what. It doesn't matter who's coming and going. We're healthy right now. The church is in a good place right now. And that's, I think that's the message that we want to get across in today's podcast, really in all of the podcasts. And Jeff, you blogged on Monday. Why are you a small church pastor? Yeah, what we are I trying st- to say is... I still ask myself that question. <laughs> well, here's your answer. You're a small church pastor because God is giving you the responsibility to create a healthy church. Okay, and so sometimes we get bogged down with the numbers, we get bogged down with how many people are showing up, but really what we're called to do is just create healthy churches where people can come and they can meet God in healthy ways. You and I have had an uncharacteristically relational day. 
Yeah. And that we shared both lunch and dinner together. Yes. And at dinner, you and I were talking about the way in which our church welcomed each of us when we moved here. I really felt like the people pulled out all the stops. They were so helpful, so gracious, so just everything to make us feel so welcome and at home. And it was immediate. I mean, it was successful. And I think that that is the same way that our, our church treats visitors and guests. Mm-hmm. And that's so great. And so that's one of those things. That's healthy. And so it doesn't matter if you're 50 people, if you're 350 people, how are you treating the people who come in your door? How are you treating each other? You know, are we, are we people who are loving each other as Christ loves? That's the health piece. And that's what we are so intentionally focusing on here at 200 Churches. And this is why today's podcast to me is really interesting, because I still struggle with this idea of being in a small church and staying in a small church. Yeah. I still struggle with numbers. I still struggle with attendance. I still struggle with the people that aren't here yet that I feel like could be here yet. And so this whole this whole experiment of 200 churches and with Carl the whole experiment of newsmallchurch.com. Yeah. It's still kind of that for me. It's, it's weird. It's an experiment yeah. because I'm not sure I'm not sure how I feel about this sometimes, <laughs> right. although in my sanest moment, I look at our church and I say to my wife, those people need a pastor. Right. Why not me? Am I yeah. too good? Am I too good to be their pastor? Absolutely not. Well, absolutely not. Not even close, Right. actually. So so let's get right into our conversation with Carl the Shark Vaders. We are here with our good friend Carl the Shark Vaders. Carl, how are you today? Uh, anytime I can be called the shark, it's a good day. <laughs> How is sunny Southern California? It is very sunny and very <laughs> warm today, actually. Yeah. Well, this is a time Quite. of year when we have it better off than you because we can enjoy a cool breeze once in a while. Yeah, it's true. It, they actually uh, have a phrase here, and I'm, I'm going to give away the date for somebody listening to it later, but they call it June gloom here in Southern California because it gloom. just gets... June gloom, it gets kind of muggy and warm, but it's not quite summery yet. It's an awkward phase. They call it June gloom. And the and the smog rolls in from the, you know, from the factories and all well, this. Yeah, well, if it if it ever left, then it could roll in. <laughs> <laughs> well, Carl, we just had uh, two days ago. We just had what I call Doom Sunday. Doom Sunday, you know. So I suppose we could have okay. June gloom. June gloom and Doom Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> Man, That's a secret for the 200 put... church that you really want to alienate your people by having Doom Sunday <laughs> once exactly. in a while. We had new couples. How could you not pack them in with a name like that? <laughs> well, we had new couples in our church, too, and I had to welcome them on Doom Sunday. I snuck so. by Jeff during communion, and I said, hey, I just want you to know there are guests here. You better do a good job. <laughs> <laughs> completely changed his whole scenario for the day then. That's exactly right. Yeah. You need to be aware. Yeah, he said no 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 uh no pressure but you know we've got guests we here. We got a couple guests, yeah. And he gave me I the agree. look. Yeah. Oh. Don't wow. screw this up, Jeff. So, yeah. hey Carl, we are going into what is the 6th of your 12 essential blog posts that you have on on your on your uh, website newsmallchurch.com. And the title for this one is The Surprising Reason That 80% of Churches Will Never Break the 200 Barrier. Now, we didn't talk about this in our in our pre-recording uh, chitter-chatter, but I want right. to, uh, do I have permission to speak freely to you on this topic? Uh, yes, you do. 
and and and, and I'm, I'm shaking as I say that. Well, I was going to say you don't sound convinced. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> You don't all, you don't always want to be on the end of Jeff speaking freely. Like, I can I can attest like, to this personally. Yeah, I mean when is, when when has you needing to ask me permission ever stopped you from doing that anyway? <laughs> well, I'm a nice guy though. So, no, I actually the truth is in this blog post that you wrote, uh there's a lot of stuff here that that I think most pastors don't want to talk about. I mean, sure. stuff that yeah. I don't want to talk about, questions that we would rather not ask ourselves, let alone have somebody else ask us. And on Monday's yeah. blog post, I uh, it would have been for June second. I put uh, I put some of those questions in there, and I assume that you know some people won't ask us those questions because they don't want to put us in a in a tough spot where we'd have to maybe be embarrassed in our answer. Like like why do you pastor a small church? Uh, right. uh, because I'm a bad pastor. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. So, so you've got newsmallchurch.com. We've got 200 churches and I am frustrated that this to me is still, it's like a tender, it's a little sensitive topic. Uh, so maybe you should just, um, give us the kind of give us the premise behind this uh, this post that you wrote why why I'll why I'll never pastor a big church. Actually, I, I intentionally didn't phrase it why why I'll never pastor a big church, but because uh, that's still a possibility. If that happens, that happens, and it's great. But it's not something I'm striving toward. But you know, eighty percent of us never will. That's just demographically the way the numbers have always been since the day of Pentecost. You know, there's never been. Uh, you know, there's never been more than, uh, you know, 80% of us just never pastor churches any bigger than that. Mm -hmm. And, um, for me, the main reason, uh, that I'm, I, that my church has never grown to bigger status than that is, um, the one time it did get bigger than that and it started pushing 400, I realized I really stink at this. I wasn't good at it. I tried to do everything that was necessary. I, changed the systems we set up new ways of doing things we hired on extra staff uh we did all this stuff but i found myself spending the bulk of my ministry hours doing things i hate doing administration dealing with staff issues dealing with fundraising trying to find new facilities for more people uh, you know, all the stuff that has to be done if your church is going to be big. I, I, I have zero argument with the people who say, if you want your church to get bigger, you've got to adapt and do things by new methods. Absolutely, you do. And uh, I wanted it bigger, and I adapted to those new methods, and I was miserable. Well, you did write in here that a church and its leadership have to adapt to a different way of doing church in order to break through the 200 barrier. So, yep. yeah, you, you have no argument. You say that's a good thing. You just said, you just wrote in here, I stink at it. Yep. Yeah, so. Yep. I, I, I wasn't unwilling to adapt. I was unable. Right. And I, 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 today, I had, back then, I, had, I beat myself up like crazy because obviously I'm not good enough. I'm not whatever. But no, everybody has their gifts. And I discovered that I can do stuff uh, that others can't. I, I can shepherd a, a smaller church, whereas that drives some pastors out of their mind. You know, yes. they, they, want to, they want to administrate. They want to run a big staff. They want other people to take care of the pastoral care. And that's fine, too. Let me ask the question that, to me, begs to be asked right now. 
if I, as a pastor, say I stink at something and I admit it out loud, what if my church says, um, we don't really want a pastor who stinks at that. We want a pastor <laughs> who can take us a little bit past that level. So, yeah, we're not too certain. What do you What do you want to do there, pastor? Where, uh, maybe you ought to put your name out somewhere. Uh, well, then maybe you ought to put your name out somewhere. <laughs> oh, you're so smart, Carl. I like the way you gave that right back, Carl. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, just like, you know, churches go through transitional seasons um, and they go through different phases as in, in different um, in, during different uh, uh, chronological periods. You know, our church is very different today than it was when I came in the mm-hmm. 90s. And a church at 400 is very different than a church at 40. And not every phase is for every person and not every phase is for every leader. Some leaders, our job is to take it to a certain place and then hand it off to somebody else. Sure. So, and so that's not a failure. So let me ask the next question. How do we get pastors, how do we encourage pastors, how do we encourage ourselves to be open and honest about our weaknesses because if we are, there is the danger that, hey, we don't want a pastor with those weaknesses. We want a different skill set. Therefore, you need to move on because we're right. ready to rock and roll. You know, yeah. you know what I mean? It's, it's, yeah. I yeah. think it's Absolutely. maybe it's just one of those inerrant built-in um, issues in leadership and in ministry and in the local church that, you know, that's, it's just something that we have to wrestle with. Well, yeah, and it's not just about leadership and ministry. It's it's human. Nobody wants to admit they're not good at something. You know, we 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 want to be good at stuff. And there's no. Uh, this is in no way an excuse for not getting better at things. This is. I mean, you 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 guys both know me well enough to know that you know the idea of settling is anathema to every single bone in my body. Um, but it's not settling when an artist says, "I'm not good at math." They're not settling for art. But when an artist says, I can only do paint by numbers and I'm never going to paint outside the lines, that's settling. In that illustration, but there's also artists that, hey, they're really, really good at this kind of art, but truth is they're not good at that kind of art. So they stick with the kind of art that they're good at. Yeah, they they find their calling and then they get better within that calling. Yeah, They never stop growing within that calling. And it's the same thing for a pastor. Uh, some of it, you know, I probably it's probably easily t- two decades of trying to figure out exactly where my sweet sw- spot in ministry is. And in some ways, you're still always tweaking that and narrowing it down. But once I had a general sense of this is where God has called me to ministry, here's the general area of it. And I realized, hey, I'm not called to that. I'm called to this. Now I'm going to be as good as I can be and at this. And I'm never going to stop growing at being good at this. Yeah. And I discovered I discovered I'm a good small church pastor, and I discovered I'm actually really good at helping other small church pastors be good small church pastors as well. That you are, yeah. Ta-da! <laughs> yeah, and here we are today doing this. So that's that's part of my own growth. I didn't just settle and go, well, I guess it's just me and this handful of people, and we'll just settle for that because that's all I can do. No, what does it mean now to be in a, a, a small church pastor and be a better one and be in a better church and what within that sweet spot can I do? And I began to discover, yeah, I can I can help others do this good too. So that's part of the expansion of my own ministry, the growth of my own ministry. But the church butts in the seats aren't getting any bigger. 
my ministry is growing every single day without butts in the seats because it's a different kind of growth. I think that this, you know, whole conversation might just come back to the whole idea that a bigger church is a better church. And we even believe as pastors that our congregations think that a bigger church is a bigger, better church. What the reality is, and especially for you, Carl, there in the shadow of giants, that if your people mm-hmm. wanted to go to a bigger church, uh, that's an option. I mean, yeah. it's not oh, as yeah. though they're not around. They can go to a bigger yeah. church if they want to. Uh, you say in here, you know, uh, that you are a, I'm a good teacher, counselor, and peacemaker. Wow, Carl, those sound like exactly the kind of qualities and characteristics that I would want from my pastor right there. And so right. I think that the people we have come to our church because uh, because of our church, because of the size, because of our personality. That's not to say that it's a personality-driven church, but, I mean, you can certainly drive people away with your personality. So the people who come <laughs> like you, they like the church, and the whole idea that, well, maybe they want to kick you out because they want to get to 400 people. Well, probably not. I mean, they probably are pretty cool where they are. They like the size. They like everything else. That doesn't mean that they don't want to have a couple new families here and there. But look, just the way that life works, you lose some, you gain some, and you hang around the same size for years on years on years, potentially. Yeah. But I think that yeah. maybe all of this comes back to this idea that, well, better to be a rancher than a shepherd, and you don't have the capacity for a big church, and that makes you less than in some way. Well, like you said, since the beginning of the church, why is that the case when most churches throughout history have been small churches? Yeah. Well, I think we've got to get away from the idea of better and, better than and just recognize we're talking about different than. That's all. And we live so in the churches, success. We live in the success society, and that's yeah. so hard to do. I mean— We've been working on this now for almost two years. I still have to manhandle and wrestle my thinking away from the thinking that I've had in my head for over 20 years. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, we're, we're right now in the summer in our church, and during the school year, our, our denominational college is very close to our church. So when, our de- when school year is in session, we have a lot of, you know, future ministerial students who come into our church. We'll have 40 to 50 um, students come to our church during the school year from our denominational college nearby, which is a big, big increase for a church of our size. And they help out and they pitch in, they set up, they tear down, they're on the worship team, they lead the youth, they lead in kids. It's great. But we have learned over the last few years to, you know, gird our loins for the first Sunday after graduation, because we're going to face three months of a significantly smaller group of people and a smaller workforce in our church. And the first couple of years that happened, it was really uh, emotionally devastating. It was for me and for others, it was like, what's, you know, because we had this picture of we are of that size and we're not. But now we know, now we know during the summer, we have to gear to a different number and to a different workforce, uh, but we. But it took some time for us to not feel emotionally. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> you know, emotionally drained, emotionally hit in the summer by this by the significantly lower numbers. Not to mention, we are in Southern California. It is nice weather, and Disneyland is close by. <laughs> yeah, so, well, we don't we don't have Disneyland, but I mean we experience very similar things. I mean, this year we were getting 60, 60 to 90 
college students a Sunday, and then all of a sudden, wow. and the May comes, it's like the floor drops out on that. And I'm joking with yeah. Jeff, like, what do we get? 84 people this Sunday, <laughs> and it hasn't been. Go. I mean, it's not been that bad, but it drops off quite a bit. And you look around and, and you think maybe we should close off the the sides for church on Sunday. Try to pack them in the middle a little more. Maybe we should do this that. Uh, but yeah, the the workforce goes down, and then people going on vacation. Summer is just a hard. It's a harder time. You cannot. This is this is maybe just a, a word for pastors today. You cannot look at your summer congregation and get down on yourself, okay? Because yeah. it's a different animal completely for these three months out of the year. It just is. Yeah, and yeah, for us, it's I've, it's Memorial yeah. Day to Labor Day. Yeah, and it's yeah, a, absolutely. It's a long summer, but I I really made peace with that several years ago. And you can do things in the summer you just can't do during the school year. So in this article that you wrote and in our conversation. I feel like we might be talking about two things that are that can be very different and don't necessarily have to be connected. Uh, and the one thing is just the nature of a local church, right? It doesn't have to be any particular size. Any right. church can be healthy and credible and viable and important in the kingdom of God. And then the other thing we're talking about is the nature of, of leadership and the nature of leaders. Uh, that some some leaders are are eyes and some are hands and some are feet and there are different uh, skill sets and different uh, levels of gifting uh, and we cannot we we can only change so much of that with ourselves and I was thinking about the difference between our wiring or maybe our hardware and then our software and I was wondering mm-hmm. how much can we change? Like when you were at, you said you were almost at, at 400 or around 400 and you realized right. that you were doing something that you really weren't good at in it. And indeed it didn't last. Um, how much should, how much do you think a pastor should, should be thinking about, okay, how can I a get myself better, make myself, um, uh, more equipped, more skilled to do this or B, uh, how much should I expect to be able to get people around me that can shore up my my weaknesses, that can do the things that I can't do, yet I can still be the pastor of the church? What do you think about yeah, that? Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, you know, obviously, um, what I failed to do is something that others are capable of doing. I mean, almost every one of the growth success stories you hear about the church, they talk about we hit this point. And I couldn't do it anymore, so I had to get so-and-so come in who did it for me. Hmm. Well, you know, I, I tried to do that. I just couldn't find so-and-so. Uh, I, I, you know, and, and if, if another pastor had been in my position at the time, could they have done it? Possibly, but um, they weren't called the pastor of this church. I was. And at that time, I even went through a real soul-searching. Am I still called the pastor of this church? Is this where I'm supposed to be, or have I brought it to the point where I'm supposed to hand it off to somebody else? And I think in half those situations, the answer is, yeah, it's my time to leave and hand it off to somebody else. But I was in that other half, which was, no, I'm, I'm here to see it through this and to learn some lessons through this and to figure out some things. And uh, some of it was, as we looked around at, at our growth, um, almost all of the growth we'd experienced in that couple of years was transfer growth. It was other Christians from other churches, and and for whatever reason, we were the cool new show in town. Mm-hmm. And and I looked at it and went, is it worth leaving a church 
that I love and where I feel called in order for somebody else to come in just to pastor people who were at another church. And if they left that church that easily to come to mine, they're going to leave my church that easily to go somewhere else. You know, that's, that is a really good point, Carl. When you consider why your church is growing and you know why it's growing, sometimes the answer to that question will cause you to say, hey, it's worth it for me to leave and another leader to come in. And in your case, like you said, it's it's just Christians changing churches. This isn't this isn't where I should leave over this. I need to stay here, shepherd this group, and take it, you know, how I can take it as their shepherd. If the growth had been through predominantly through salvations and it got to a point where I could no longer maintain that and, and the high, their likelihood was fairly high that the people who came in and got saved in the church uh, would likely leave and maybe not go anywhere because there were such baby Christians and this was the only church they'd known, then I'd have probably worked on, okay, some kind of a succession, bringing somebody else in, stepping back and doing a different type of ministry while somebody else maybe did the came in and did the evangelism ministry or administrative ministry, whatever. But that was a big part of it. Uh, one, I was miserable, and two, the people I was miserable for <laughs> were, were, were likely to be, make me miserable by leaving fairly soon as they came in, which actually turned out to be the case. The moment it did get difficult, the moment we hit a, a couple challenges, um, all the newbies left. Some of the people who'd been around for a while left because they saw others leaving and they thought, oh, this is a sinking ship. I'm getting out of here. And those who stuck around were the ones who had been there from the beginning anyway. We, it's like we had this core. We added a bunch of people. We lost that same group of people. And the core was still sitting there going, well, we'll we're still here and we're still working with you. Hmm. Uh, and then we just had to figure out, okay, if it's not going to be about additional butts in the seats necessarily, what are we going to do? What, where is God calling us? What is it that we're supposed to be doing here uh, within this sweet spot, what does ministry look like? What does health look like? And what does growth look like? And you did so mu- you did so much soul searching that you ended up with newsmallchurch.com. I mean, that's how much you process yeah. that and and kind of work through that. And I, and I yeah. do think that's why it, this puts you in a position of of influence and of some authority because you've you've worked through it probably more than certainly more than the average pastor and more than most pastors just in trying to figure this out and just and and be have integrity in your leadership um one of the things you say in here that i think is very true and i think it's uh uh it's a it's somewhat of a whole other subject itself uh is just how we think about church you said 200 uh the words we use when we talk about numerical growth that 200 is a barrier and a ceiling that needs to be broken to get to the, quote, next level, unquote. And you said, yeah. I don't buy it. And I, I absolutely, completely agree. And I, and I think that's, this is part of the whole mission of, of, of what we both do and what Johnny and I do is trying to get pastors to understand that, hey, their church doesn't have to grow numerically in order for it to be viable and to be successful. And I think that's one of the fundamental principles of what you're doing at New Small Church. There's no question that 200, and even people who talk about the 200 barrier, if you read any book on it, the number actually lands anywhere between 150 to 350, but they call it the 200 barrier. There, there, there is a very real shift that needs to take place 
if a church is going to push past that numerically and become bigger than that, it just, a church of 400, if it's going to be healthy and strong, needs to have different systems and methods in place than a church does at 150. That's unquestionably true. So that, that is a big shift, which is why they talk about the 200 barrier, because there is a big shift that needs to take place between those numbers. But the word barrier is my issue, because barrier implies a ceiling that must be broken through. Mm-hmm. And that if I haven't broken through it, I have failed. Because a, a, a barrier, that, that, that's what the word means. A barrier is something that holds us in. A barrier is something that is supposed to be broken through. But I just don't buy that it must be broken through. Uh, there, are, uh, there are values that a, church, a smaller church can bring to the kingdom of God that a bigger church can't bring, and vice versa. So we need both. And I think if God is leading a particular pastor and a particular church to become big, quite frankly, I think the 200 barrier, if, if a church is really struggling and just beating themselves to pieces, trying to break through 200, that might be God saying, I don't want you to break through this. Hmm. I, I, I want you to do small really well. Um, it seems to me that if God wants to grow his church, he's going to do it. And so we get these testimonies of the bigger churches were just like, oh, I don't know what happened. Within a year, we were 1,000. Within three years, we were 3,000. It just came out of nowhere. <laughs> and, and it should happen to you, too. Right. right. Okay? Yeah. Now, that it happened to you, I'm thrilled. That's awesome. That is a, a, a God-touched moment where God said, I need a big church here, and I want you to do it. Well, that's great, but that's not what he's telling me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the fact that you did it, I celebrate. But don't turn around and say that now has to be duplicated by anybody else, because that's just not how it works. Right. Exactly. And you know what, Carl? What All of what you just said is exactly why we have you on the podcast, exactly why what you're doing at New Small Church is so important. These small church pastors, these men and women, they need to know and they need to be reminded constantly that they are doing valuable an important kingdom work that what you're yeah. doing at your church with your 200 people, with your 100 people, with your 50 people, you're making an impact and a difference in people's lives. And and that impact and difference just goes out and out and out and out and spreads and spreads and spreads. So thank you, Carl, so much for being with us today on the 200 churches you're podcast welcome, and encouraging pastors with everything that you just said. Thanks, Carl. You're welcome, guys. Good to be with you. Jeff, I think you were trying to start a fight with the I'll shark, I'll start a fight man. with him. Hey, hey, he puts himself in writing. He puts himself out there on newsmallchurch.com. You don't know. Have you seen that, Carl Vader's? That man is six foot some, six inches tall. No. That is a man. Come on. He's yeah, not that I'm tall. not kidding you. He's six six. He's a big man. I mean, I've seen the videos of him, but you can't tell because he's never He's standing. sitting down. Yeah, yeah, no. I've seen pictures of him and his wife. He's six six. He's a big fella. Okay, if we ever see him and he starts to come at me, I'm just going to throw you at him and run. Because <laughs> you'll, you'll slow him down and then I'll get away. <laughs> I'll just give him a big old hug. Oh, Carl. Love that guy. You know, Carl writes with such, if you if you aren't reading newsmallchurch.com, you really need to go there. Get over there. He writes with such tenacity. I'm way, I'm way too nice. Oh, Carl uh, just gets it. That's yeah. why we call him the shark. He is, man. He is the shark. It's he goes good. right after it. He sees blood in the water, man. He's swimming that direction. But he did, you know what? You, we, I don't want you to make it sound like that, like he's being mean or something like that. He's he just, mean. he's honest. He's just on it, 
and he's honest with it. Uh, it's just great. And he just doesn't hold back. And it, he, there's been times where he's come out and said, I might have gone too far. And he's willing to apologize yeah. and say, like, I should have pulled back a little bit. That's awesome. Well, what he wrote in the blog piece that we talked about today about I stink at it. Right. I mean, that, you know, it takes some humility and it also takes some honesty, um, but it takes a desire to to understand yourself and understand how God is using you in your church to be able to stay, to, to be able to say, I'm good at this, I'm good at that, I stink at this, I stink at that, and that's okay. Well, in a conversation we had with Dan Ryland a few months ago, uh, we were talking about, he had the six big words, and then you and I had some extra words. Mm-hmm. One of our, you know, postscripts to that was, know your weaknesses. Right. And basically, Carl was just saying, look, I'm owning up to this weakness. And and God makes something beautiful out of our weaknesses. And that I think that's the hope, you know what I mean? That God doesn't expect you to be a 600, 700, 800 member church, right? God sees you where you are, and he uses us to make a huge difference and a huge impact. You know, my power is perfected in weakness. That's the promise that we have as ministers uh, of Jesus Christ. You know, and if there's one thing, Johnny, that I hope for our listeners is that, and I can speak to you as listeners, is that you would be content with where God has placed you. Yeah. And that was one of those That was one of those Bible college statements from, you know, decades ago for me. <laughs> be content with divine placement. <laughs> okay, well, that's the stodgy way of putting it. Sounds but good. To be content with, you know, the church that God has put you in, the people mm-hmm. that God has given you, and don't be looking past them at the people that you hope will come. Focus on the people that are there because your people need you. They need your shepherding. They need your love. They need your, sometimes, your rebuke or your correction. Sure. But they need your leadership, and they need you to be their pastor. So, um, man, be content with the church that God's put you in. Yeah, and recognize what are you good at, what are you not good at. You know, maybe maybe you heard us talking and you think, wow, I actually think that I have a lot of the qualities of a, of a person who can get through the 200 church barrier. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. You know what I mean? God, let God will use you then to do those things that you're good at doing, and he'll surround you with the people that you need. And if, you're, and if you feel like you're like that, then go ahead and send your resume to me. We'll kick Johnny out, and I'll hire you. <laughs> you I need go. somebody to help me with this you, stuff. we got to get over the hump here, right? Uh, oh, we, you're back to numbers, Jeff. Yeah, no, no, we're okay. We're okay. <laughs> hey, it, if you're a regular listener of 200 Churches Podcast, please... Uh, get onto iTunes. You can click on our homepage, 200churches.com, and there's a little iTunes button there. Just click on it, and it will open up your iTunes, and it will put our podcast on your iTunes for you to look at it, and you can then do a rating or a review. Uh, just share it on Facebook. Share it with pastors that you know just need the encouragement. Uh, they may be discouraged because there's a small church pastor. So encourage them by sharing them with them the 200 Churches podcast. Jeff, you got any parting shots for people? Any words of wisdom? Any parting shots for me? I know you always have those. Here's my parting shot, Johnny. It's not really for you. It's uh, something that we did last night with our elders. As we got together, I encouraged our elders to do something that we have never done in the last 10 years. I'm not going to tell people what it is because I don't want them to think, oh, they've got to go out and do that. But what what have you been talking about doing at your church that you just haven't gotten to? Right. And for us, this thing that we're going to do, we've been talking about it for years. Probably for, probably for uh, off and on since I've been here for 10 years. We've never pulled the trigger on it. We are going to do it. It's not a, It's not this big, huge investment. It's not this big, huge deal. But we are going to do it. So what is there in your church that you just have never done 
you've just been waiting and waiting, just pull the trigger. Just do it and see what God does when you get involved in a ministry or an opportunity or an event that you just have never done before. That's awesome. I think that's a great, great way to end this podcast. Thank you so much for listening and uh, for being a part of the 200 Churches Podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and challenged by this episode of the 200 Churches Podcast. We'll be back next Wednesday to provide you with more ministry encouragement as you pastor your 200 church. Until then, may God bless you as you lead and love your people.